It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. At the bottom of the hour, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West on the pullout of Afghanistan, looking a lot like Saigon these days. And also, we're talking about Iran and the duplicity of Senator, uh, former Senator turned Secretary of State turned climate czar, a useless position. Uh, which he might is being pushed to resign from. I'll get to that in a moment. And, of course, we'll take your calls at one 408 This is one of those days there's like five major stories. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We should have told people early on when we told them to stay at home, we should have told them to get outside. You know, the number one risk factor for being hospitalized is being overweight. And when people stayed indoors, guess what? They gained 15 pounds on average. We needed this about a year and two months ago. Yeah, and that was the University of Chicago study. Staying home right when the pandemic started killed us, right? This is unbelievable. Bad advice, flat-out lies. That's what we're eventually finding out as it relates to the, adver- the, the advisories given to the American people during this pandemic. Many of the restrictions still exist today, and it's time to fight back and find out the truth as we learn staying at home hurt us, as you just heard. Enough. We got the vaccine. Let's start going back to our lives, please. Number two. It's been reported you've met with him a couple of times at least since uh, leaving office as well. Yes, so I used have. to. Is it a half dozen times, a dozen times? I've probably seen him three or four times. Are you trying to coach him through the Trump administration's rejection of the JCPOA? No, that's not my job. Really? What is your job? In fact, you had no job. Treason. That's all you could say about the released Iran foreign minister audio tapes that revealed John Kerry got top secret intel to Iran about Israel. And it's not the first time. This guy's got to go. We'll give you the details. Another example of weakness. We allow small Iranian ships to harass our destroyers in the Persian Gulf last month. Number one. Many members of the media have a narrative, and they only want to pick instances which show cops at their worst. I just do not accept, nor do I think most Americans accept, that most cops are, uh, are bad people. Uh, I don't. Uh, that's Senator John Kennedy saying that. Policing under fire, the latest challenge, and how they are taking the blame for all the ills of society and why the finest won't take it anymore. They're putting down the badge and finding the door as a letter to LeBron lays it all out perfectly for the world and the king to see. So a lot to get to. So let's start with policing. So if you wanted to fund the police, you agree with 33% of the country. Opposing to funding the police, 62%. You would think by watching the news that everything's about the police and we want to just get them off the streets, have social workers, or how about a stiff talking to next time someone's got a gun or wants to rob a bank. Fox News poll also says reducing the police department funding and moving funds to other areas, it depends on the party. 11% of Republicans think that's a good idea. 30% of independents think that's a good idea. 54% of Democrats think it's a good idea. But there's a push in this country to defund and reimagine the police. Barack Obama talks about that. Maybe they're making it so miserable because they want the police to quit. The uh, National Urban League unveiled a 21 pillars for redefining public safety. 
They do say they want to end the broken windows police requiring rethinking quality of life enforcement, changing the way our public safety system treats low-level offenses, developing diversionary programs under a community policing model, evaluate metrics for officers, emphasize crime prevention and problem solving. Like they never thought of that. Uh, community engagement, feedback, and to achieve a community policing model, departments should require community engagement. Uh, for the most part, I think most do. The ones that are underfunded is kind of tough. You got some free time? Go give some free time. Not really sure that'll happen. Meanwhile, a big push to scrutinize the police, one in Minneapolis, and now you have another one in Louisville. Here's the, uh, the enthralling Merrick Garland, the attorney general, cut one. Today's announcement is based on an extensive review of publicly available information about LMPD conducted by the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. The investigation will assess whether LMPD engages in a pattern or practice of using unreasonable force, including with respect to people involved in peaceful, expressive activities. It will also assess whether LMPD engages in discriminatory conduct on the basis of race or fails to provide public services that comply with the Americans with Disability Act. All right, so the facts there. Uh, through October 2020, there's 147 sworn LPD officers, or 14% have left the department. Uh, more facts. Louisville Police Department reports 81.6% surge in violent crime. So, of course, it's the cops' fault that that all improves. And you know what Erica Shield says on, uh, on the whole investigation? Bring it on. Cut two. It's necessary because police reform, quite honestly, is needed in near every agency across the country. And if us at Louisville LMPD are going to be one of the flagship departments for change, then bring it on. Right, we'll bring it on. We'll see. It's inspiring words. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Retirements are happening. People not enjoying the job. They're leaving. That's all she says. We have 75% of, uh, increase in retirements in New York City. That's just the way it goes. Shootings are up an all-time high, about 200% from a year ago. Mayor de Blasio, this is how useless these politicians are during times of crisis. Listen to what he says about the surge in shootings and killings and violence. Cut four. There were 28 incidents of gun violence involving uh, 30, 31 uh, victims. Do you think you need to change your, your tactic. And because of this, police experts are saying you need more cops and there's no new cops in your budget. Your response. Marsha, we have 35,000 officers and what we're seeing is more gun arrests than we've seen in 25 years. We finally have the court system coming back. Uh, we've just gotten that news in the last few days. Court system will be back strong in the month of May. That's what we've been needing. We have gun prosecutions ready to go that are going to take a lot of the worst actors out of the equation. Unbelievable. Just so you know, uh, there is uh, the court system's coming back, but basically you have to kill somebody in front of an officer in order to go to jail for a night. It is so lenient. They've emptied out the prisons while uh, loosening up on the crime and condemning the police. You can imagine how explosive this city is. Maybe it's like your city. For example, if you live in, live in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, under the state of emergency, 
because protesters are throwing rocks at police, gathering outside police, harassing them as they go to work because of uh, Andrew Brown Johnson's family, Junior's family. He claims the sheriff only showed a portion of a body cam of him being shot. They say he was executed. We have not seen the video. They say part of the reason to do the video is because they want to blur out the faces for security reasons. So have it soon. But that has not stopped Benjamin Crump and all the everybody else from showing up and talking about how racist America is and how bad North Carolina is. Now, for African-American North Carolina lieutenant governor, he thinks everyone's just got to calm down. Cut six. What I would say to those activists is pump your brakes, slow down. Let uh, the justice system take its course. Let's take a look at this and find out what's happened. What they should be focused on is the seven-year-old who was murdered in Hickory, right here in uh, North Carolina. What they should be focused on is the seven-year-old who was murdered in Chicago last week. We are seeing murders take place of the most innocent across this nation at an alarming pace. And these activists and our politicians at our highest level are turning an absolute blind eye. Yeah, and that's uh, true. So we'll follow that. They might release the video. If it's bad, they'll let us see it. Um, and if it's good, they're going to see it, and everyone's going to make their own judgments on it. Meanwhile, good news on the coronavirus. You would never know it, but cases are down 20% over the last two weeks. Deaths are down 2%. Uh, they're going down from state to state. There are some outliers like Michigan with their terrible uh, governor. Uh, but we are talking about getting back to our lives. With vaccines to 40% of the country, I think uh, one who has both is around 30% of the country. And then we're getting these revelations that masks, you go walking outdoors, working out outdoors, you shouldn't even be wearing masks. We knew that. Two-year-olds, four-year-olds, eight-year-olds should not be wearing masks. We knew that. If you're vaccinated, you should not be wearing a mask. We knew that. But they won't confirm that. They're taking their time about that. Dr. Marty McCary, uh, we knew this a long time ago. Staying inside. We knew this a long time ago. Cut 23. Stop shaming people who choose not to get the vaccine. We need to respect them. Some are not getting it because they had the infection. That's a medically reasonable idea. And we need to give something people look forward to. Look, if you get a vaccine, you need to be able to have privileges once you're a month out. And finally, we need to stop talking about boosters. It's not clear that we need it. There's no evidence to suggest that we need it. So telling people you're going to need a vaccine every six months is not helping right now. Right. And Marty McCurry says you do have to you can go outside without a mask, whether you're vaccinated or not. I mean, I get this note today. My uh, daughter has a game today at seven o'clock at night. They say you better have a pass because you got to limit it the parents, even though you have a feel of a stance that could sit four thousand. They're lucky to get two hundred and you could spread out across the whole thing and not even touch somebody or see somebody. They say, make sure you're wearing a mask. Are you kidding me? Make sure you're wearing a mask outside at night away from anyone. Uh, Xavier Becerra, who's an ill-qualified HHS secretary who barely got confirmed, said this about that, about wearing a mask. Cut 21. If you're vaccinated, do you have to wear a mask outside or you don't have to wear a mask outside? Well, we weren't born with masks, but we want to be safe and we want to protect our loved ones. And so that's why we wear masks, right? We, we put on our seatbelt. We don't expect that we're going to crash our car, but we want to be safe. That's what we're just trying to do is make sure everyone is safe. We want to get back to a normal lifestyle. We want to get our economy going, people back at work, restaurants open. You got to do that the right way. And masks help. Vaccinations, important. Masks help. And so even though I'm I'm vaccinated, I still wear a mask. 
Exactly. But, so why do you, why do we have to do that if we're vaccinated? That's why I'm so confused. Because I keep yeah, hearing well, you don't have to wear it, but still you could still pass it or you could still pass it along even though you've been vaccinated. That's why I'm, I'm you, confused. Yeah, the vaccine's done a really good job of making sure you'll not only be safe and healthy, but that you won't infect others. But still, we, you never know. And what you're trying to do is encourage others. Is this, is that the, this is the first time I'm hearing it. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard about. By far the stupidest. And Anthony Fauci put that bar really high. He's saying you can't pass the virus. He's saying that once vaccinated, you're not going to get the virus. But he's wearing a mask. Why? It makes no sense. Do you understand it's unhealthy? You exhale to eliminate for a reason. You're not setting a good example. That's not helping anybody. Telling someone who's double vaccinated to wear a mask. Do you think we like doing this and now you want to do it for no reason? Remember, the CDC director told us this. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. Unbelievable. Real world data and the clinical trials. Israel's showing this. Sweden's showing us. We're seeing everything. The vaccine vaccine is better than anyone thought. If you choose not to get it, choose not to get it. But also know if I got it, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not. I didn't wear one in this building. I don't think I should be wearing one in this building. Policy says you should. You shouldn't be wearing it at the shop. It should be up to you. I mean, come on. You can't spread the virus. Show you're vaccinated. I think you need more than a card. That's so easy to copy. By the way, anybody could knock off this copy of this card. I agree. But then previously, too, um, when people have been asked, well, should you laminate it? They say no, because then if you need a third or a fourth or whatever booster, you shouldn't get it laminated because you can't edit it. I agree right. with you. I took a picture of it. And, uh, you know, just in case I lose it because I lose everything. But they say there's going to be an Excelsior Pass Q code, QR code, which people have a problem with because of privacy. And this is a health thing. And remember the HIPAA rules. True. But if it's in a private company, right? Like we've, I know you and I both have submitted to clear, right? Okay. Scan our retinas and all of that. Yeah. So if you then say yes to that, it's a private thing. But right. we'll see. Uh, the only people that can recognize me by my retina. And I'm, that's I love that. The best thing ever is, is clear. I'm, is that dumb that we should do that? You know, the Yankees have clear. No, I think you can, you can show up and just look into this thing and they'll know you have a ticket. I have no idea. I mean, I feel like they're tracking us regardless. So uh, it's sort of just harder to avoid it than not. But anyway, I wish topic. if they're going to track us, I wish sometimes they could tell me where I put stuff because I'm going to keep misplacing it. If they're tracking me, maybe they could help me. Uh, I looked, I've, it took me 15 minutes to find my iPad last night in my house. You didn't have it make a noise? Yeah. I had to find my watch, which I already put on my charger. <laughs> I thought I could do it on my own. I was wrong. one 408 7669 Back in a moment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. To put it very simply, no. The report can't say anything different because I didn't do anything wrong. People say a lot of things in politics. Uh, that's why do people say things? Who knows? People are venial. People want attention. People are angry. People are jealous. Who knows why people spread rumors? Is this unbelievable for the first time, I think, since December, the Governor Cuomo did not handpick his uh, his reporters and went up to Syracuse and started taking questions and got some got hammered. Why? Because he's got nine accusers. He's got a nursing home investigation where he knew knowingly put uh, infected patients back to the nursing homes, causing tens of thousands, uh, uh, causing thousands more deaths and lied about the total number. There's proof about it. Now you have his personal behavior. Now you have his staff writing a book that gave him four million dollars and them nothing during work time. All of ethics violations, the New York Times published something, and magazine published something uh, a couple of weeks ago, that he used anti, uh, anti-Semitic slurs to talk about Jews who he wanted to visit, say these people who live in tree houses. Uh, he says, well, that's not true. I never said that. And it's all slander. You know, heard what he said about his accusers. So in this age of Me Too and the woman's always right, right, that he talked about all the time, he's saying nine accusers are venial angry, want attention, and are jealous. And he's getting away with this. This is incredible to me that he's allowed to get away with this and keep his job. And some of the people, the powerful Democrats, are now appearing with him again, the ones that asked him to resign. you got to be kidding. What's the next time Senator Schumer told him to resign? Gillibrand and Schumer said he should resign, but they haven't said anything since. So he's allowed to run out the clock. What an ego. I've never seen anything like this ever. And he's getting a pass. Hopefully this reignites things, because I saw this whole thing was uh, trending on Twitter. So, Eric, listen on WDBO. Hey, Eric. Hey, Brian. That that last uh, conversation right before the break uh, was pretty enlightening. Um, I could help shed a little bit of light on why everybody's in such distrust. I heard a PSA just this morning. Uh, the White House is alarmed that over 5 million people missed their second dose within the window. Then they have a White House doctor come on and say, you need to get this second dose. But the window's passed, so is there a window or not? And then she goes on to say, you won't get, I quote, full immunity without that second dose. So like your other guest just said, why the mask if there's full immunity? My gut tells me this is the biggest moneymaker in American history between the vaccines and the COVID testing. And they're just doling out your money and my money. It's not even the government's money. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't I understand. Got- I don't know if it's money, it's control. They say, well, if you put, if you take this stuff away, it's hard to put them back. No kidding. Why would you want to put them back? 
I mean, you want people to go to work, right? You want people to be happy, right? If people are happy, you're more likely going to get elected. If you're able to generate revenue from people going back to work or back to school, guess what? Those are people that say, I, I got my lives back, and I guess I, I should credit him or her for helping make that happen. Instead, they still want to control. I mean, they're going to open up in California June 1st. What are you waiting for? Your numbers are low. Open up. Stop with the curfews. Stop with the fines. Open up. And your $300 supplemental might come in handy, but it's also stopping 48% of small businesses from staffing. They can't get any workers because we're paying them too much not to work. Alan West right next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's been reported you've met with him a couple of times at least since uh, leaving office as well. Yes, so I you have. Still, That's uh, accurate. Is it a half dozen times, a dozen times? I've probably seen him three or four times. Are you trying to coach him through the Trump administration's rejection of the JCPOA? No, that's not my job, and, and my coaching him would not, you know, that's, that's not how it works. What I, what I have done is tried to elicit from him what Iran might be willing to do in order to change the dynamic of the Middle East for the better. Why? You're not the Secretary of State. What are you doing? There's a sitting Secretary of State at the time. We'll be talking to him on the Tuesday edition of the show. That is John Kerry talking in 2018, talking about what he's up to with Zarif. And this is a guy now in a documentary audio recording that was just released ahead of schedule. He talked about how John Kerry told him that Israel attacked Iran 200 times in Syria. And Zarif said he had no idea at the time. That, to me, is the definition of treason. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now. Colonel, we can't say we're surprised because we know he met with Zarif. He finally admitted after first denying it. But what about what, what does this do to the red line for you? Well, Brian, it's good to be with you. And first and foremost, you think about that thing called the Logan Act. I mean, this is a clear example of the Logan Act. And you're right. This is about treason. Obviously, John Kerry was not in any type of leadership position at the time. He was just a citizen. And he was going over and conferring with a a, a designated leader of a foreign country that is a geopolitical foe of the United States of America, provided them intelligence and information, and working against the United States of America and the sitting administration. If this were Republicans doing that during the Obama administration or doing that right now uh, during the Biden administration, the media and the left would be going absolutely apoplectic. But because it is them and it is John Kerry, uh, they get to do whatever they want, and this duplicitous hypocrisy, again, it is what's driving the American people absolutely crazy. Can I remind our listeners to get away with it? Yeah. Can I remind our listeners that Israel is a valuable ally, and now we're telling the number one enemy of the free world, who we have no relationship with, at the time still no diplomatic relationship. This is what Israel's mm-hmm. up to. Can you imagine what else he said about what Israel's up to? Maybe do you think Barack Obama would know about this? Well, of course he would know about it, and I will tell you that there is a little cabal working behind the scenes right now. I, I'm 
thoroughly uh, convinced that Barack Obama, uh, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, John Kerry, all of these people are really the ones that are pulling the strings. It's not Joe Biden. Joe Biden is just a figurehead. Joe Biden is just their puppet. And so you see the continuation of the JCPOA, which is something that Barack Obama wanted, which was not done constitutionally. It was never voted on as a treaty. It was done by executive action. Yeah. So listen to what Krista Witten says. He's a former Trump State uh, Department advisor about John Kerry's pattern. Cut 18. Well, it fits a pattern with John Kerry. Uh, you know, go back to his debut in uh, public life for the United States. He actually, while he was still in the U.S. Naval Reserve in 1970, went to Paris and had meetings with the North Vietnamese, who we were engaged uh, against in a war at that time. You know, fast forward to when he was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He went and had a very pleasurable dinner with Assad, the dictator of Syria. Uh, that was before the open warfare there, but, you know, a lot of bad guys. There's a history of John Kerry thinking that he can use the John Kerry charm on dictators and outright enemies of the United States. So he's now a climate envoy. This is what Congressman Mike McCall of Texas uh, said. If true, this reporting is incredibly concerning. I already have significant concerns about Kerry serving as this envoy, but reportedly relaying sensitive information on the number one state sponsor of terrorism is unfathomable. Ted Cruz, if it's verified, he would signal catastrophe and disqualifying recklessness by envoy Kerry to former Foreign Minister Zarif. So this, this tape went on to say that Soleimani the Revolutionary Guard leader who we killed because he's killed so many of our guys, really was running everything, was working with Russia to bring troops in against the government-stated policy. So this is a—these are tapes that you would not think we have to question the authenticity of because it's a documentary at which you see Zarif going after other members of the Iranian government. No, you're absolutely right, but the point is, uh, it's the so what question. I mean, what is Joe Biden going to do about it? What is the Department of Justice going to do about it? Will John Kerry be removed from being a climate envoy and, uh, you know, pushed out of the Biden administration? Or will he continue to be paid by American taxpayer dollars? Uh, is something going to happen in the House or the Senate as far as an investigation into this, being it with the House Foreign Relations or the Senate Foreign Affairs Committees? So that's the real question. Will it uh, make it to the New York Times? Will it be with the Washington Post or CNN, ABC, MSNBC? Chances are no, because, again, they think that they are above any type of rules, any type of scrutiny. And this just adds more fodder as to why we cannot allow the progressive socialist left to be in a position of power in America. They are seeking to undermine America. They are working, you know, really to enhance and support, you know, the Chinese Communist uh, Party that runs, uh, you know, China. Uh, this this climate uh, seminar that they had with uh, Xi Jinping, they're not going to respect or honor any type of agreement. So, again, it's just a matter of what happens, because we know John Kerry has never been an honest citizen when it comes to upholding the United States of America. It's unbelievable. He does not like Israel, and Israel does not like him. So the census took place yesterday, and it's going to affect Texas. They're gaining a seat. Uh, States gaining a seat. Texas, Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon. State losing a seat. We're getting two. You got two, okay. California losing a seat for the first time in history. Uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And when I, I'm heartened by that, all states that Trump has won, I just worry that they're changing because they're getting so many new citizens, many of which ruined their states as left-wingers coming to places like Austin, Texas, 
ruining that mm -hmm. worse or sending that further to the left. Do you worry about that as someone who's chairman of the Republican Party of Texas? Well, you have to be concerned about it. I call it the locust effect where these people, you know, ruin the, the states that they're in. And then some of them pick up and move to, uh, you know, new fertile grounds and they ruin that as well. Because remember, California used to be a red state. Uh, and, and we've seen that happen in Nevada and Arizona, New Mexico. But I think the difference here in Texas is that we're a very big state for one thing. But folks are starting to really focus on these individuals that are moving as part as part of corporations and businesses that are coming here. That's where we see the real change. And then also in our education system. So I think that's one of the key message points that we have to get out there is why would you flee a failing state but come with failed philosophies uh, of the state that, uh, that you just left? And when you look at California losing, like you say, New York losing, Illinois lost a seat, and then a state like Texas picks up two seats, that tells you something. People are coming to successful, strong red states. North Carolina picked up a seat. That's another example. So uh, they want to have growth, opportunity, and prosperity. So don't vote for those failed policies in the states that you have left or where you saw a congressional seat was uh, lost. Seven of the 435 congressional seats will be reapportioned under the latest population count. Five of the seven states that lost a seat voted for Biden. So this is one thing that might be trending in the Republicans' uh, direction. Lastly, at the border— we had Chip Roy on this morning uh, with another Texas official. I see the governor is going to be suing the federal government for the costs of the border chaos uh, that's taking place on Capitol Hill. But don't worry. The vice president is in charge. Kamala Harris has got a hand on it. She will visit Guatemala in June, had a conference call with Mexico, and then had one yesterday. Have you ever seen somebody get an assignment and do as little as she has done? Well, yeah, with Joe Biden, he got the assignment to, quote, unquote, be the president. He hadn't done anything. This is a complete abdication of their constitutional duty and responsibility. And the fact that they're talking about sending $300 million of American taxpayer funds to Guatemala to, quote, unquote, get people to stay there and build up their agriculture industry, instead of coming here and enforcing our, our, our laws as, as a constitutional republic and a sovereign state and a sovereign nation, instead of going back and saying, we are going to reinstate the Remain in Mexico uh, policy. We're not going to have the catch and release policy. We're going to go back to where it was. Uh, so, yeah, they're not doing anything about it. We just had a county here in Texas, Kenny County, that declared a state of emergency at the county level because they're being overrun. They're being overrun by the cartels and their stash houses. They're being overrun by the illegals that are coming in, and they're seeing you know, car uh, thefts go up because they're stealing cars so they can transport illegals all around. So this is a, a crisis situation. Uh, no question. Here's Kamala Harris on the reasons behind it. Cut 32. There are also longstanding issues that um, are often called the root causes of immigration. We are looking at the issue of poverty and the lack, therefore, of economic opportunities, the issue of extreme weather conditions uh, and the lack of climate adaptation, as well as corruption and the lack of good governance, and violence against women, indigenous people, LGBTQ people, and Afro-descendants. And we want to work with you to address both the acute causes as well as the root causes. Oh, my goodness. Very simple. You lose all your aid until you show you can secure the border. Then when your aid comes back, you're going to tell me what you're doing with it. And if I feel it's been yeah. effective, will we examine the total? 
but not a dollar until you secure your border. What does she not get about extortion? Uh, they're going to just do this, then they're going to let it go for a while and say, yeah, we're going to need more aid if you want us to secure the border. And the price is going to go up and up and up. Well, again, this is exactly what the left wanted. The progressive socialist left wants an open borders uh, agenda, and they have that now. They want to flood these illegals. And think about this. When you understand that they want to see representation based upon population, not about citizenship, when you look at H.R. 1 that says there will be no voter ID for voting in the United States of America, there will be no uh, voter registration role review in the United States of America, that tells you exactly all of these things are interconnected, what we see them doing. So uh, for them, this is working according to their plan. So they're not looking to do anything. That's why states have to step up. we got to secure the border as the state of Texas. We've got to have a full mobilization of our National Guard. We have to establish a border control zone, and we got to start repatriating people back after we get biometric data and we establish a database. Well, here's the problem. These kids that come across are put into these homes. They get welfare. There's people who sponsor mm-hmm. homes get money. When they are every day, those contractors don't build the wall, they get paid. And the wall that is made doesn't get put up. Paid not to put up a wall that would help our Border Patrol. Money we don't have to keep kids from another country here illegally. We are paying for to sustain them and then raise them while overtaxing our schools. Please tell me the advantage this has to the American people. It doesn't. I hope this electorate wises up and understands what you're getting here. Final thought, Colonel. Well, absolutely right. And like I said, on top of all of that, $300 million of our taxpayer money going back to what? To, to you know, again, this extortion, you know, please stay stay in your, your country and here's money. That's not going to do anything. And so it's kind of like telling a bank robber, here's some money uh, so that you won't go out and rob a bank. Yeah, never worked. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at Media Research uh, Center. Thanks so much, Colonel. Always a pleasure. You take care, Brian. All right, 1-866-408-7669, 1-866-408-7669. I see you up there. We'll get to your calls and uh, in just a moment. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. A man in Japan was arrested recently after dating 35 women at the same time so that he could get multiple birthday presents. Apparently, he gave each woman a different date for his birthday so that he'd get gifts throughout the year. Yeah, that's the typical man's fantasy, dating 35 women for the presents. That is nuts. Is that true? You never hear that with Japan. Uh, I, I mean, do you hear about uh, men in general? They have to be from Japan. <laughs> I mean, when did you start? Do you even look forward to presents anymore on your birthday? I don't because I tend to just be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm so over presents. I got enough, right? I just feel like we're done. So is that your way of saying you're not dating 35 other women in addition to Dawn? Yeah, the that's presents? the one thing I would say. <laughs> and you guys know that. You get, you get me stuff to sustain myself in case of a bomb, if I, in case I get caught in a bomb shelter with nothing to eat. No, you don't need more stuff. Right. Absolutely not. I'm not going to be named until next year. Rob, you're listening on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Rob. Hey, morning. 
You, you listen to me run down what Cuomo was saying about his nine accusers. They're all lying. They're venial. And they're looking for fame. Well, I could tell you why he's not being impeached now. I could pretty much explain that quickly for you. Okay. Once they, once they gave, or once Cuomo signed up the $16,000 payments and the $3,200 payments for illegals, did you notice how all the calls for impeachment halted? Yep. When he gave up to the Democratic people what they were, the Congress, or I mean, sent your Senate what they wanted, all of a sudden, they're not calling for impeachment anymore. They're not calling for them to step down. There's no more accusers coming out all of a sudden. Ever since that payment, which means to me, they probably gave him a list of a wish list of demands they want. And over the next few months, you'll see things come out here and there. He'll sign that the Democrats want signed. And if he does it, they won't call for impeachment. And we're all losing. Uh, the whole country loses and New Yorkers lose because of it. But Matt, can you imagine oh, yeah. being illegal and getting a $16,000 check, proving you don't belong here, showing you don't have ID in order to be eligible? Yeah, I, I'm beside myself. I've a New Yorker all my life. And I'm thinking of moving for the first time ever, leaving the state. Well, you're going to be like 300,000 people. 300,000 people have left this state. I mean, is this unbelievable? No. They lost a congressional seat. And I don't understand how people can pay 55, or 55% of their taxes to the state of New York if you live in New York City. That's just insanity. Right. Uh, it's, a little, it's going to be actually more with the federal government and the state taxes and the city taxes. It's around 60 percent. Thanks so much for the call. It's uh, it's incredible how things have died down. And the worst thing is the nursing homes and then lying about the numbers. The second worst thing is then using your staff to write a four million dollar uh, book. It has a four million dollar advance and then doing book publicity in the middle of a second wave of a pandemic. And then the factor in the third thing with nine accusers of sexual harassment in detail, 20-somethings invited. And, and, and by the way, there's also anti-trans behavior, evidently made disparaging remarks from the New York Times Magazine about that. New York Times Magazine goes on to say that he had to appear at a, a Jewish event and said, I have to go see those people who live in tree houses. you got to be kidding. How does this guy still have a job? At the same time, okaying this money allows uh, the additional unemployment numbers, allows all these small businesses not to reopen, while he puts incredible stress on them, while at the same time putting restrictions on them that if they do open up, there's still only about 50% capacity. Worst governor in the country, but when 60 Minutes decides that they have to do a profile on a corrupt governor, they choose the governor from Florida and make up some situation where he only vaccinates rich people, which had no, not been grounded at all in fact. That's what we're looking at now in this country because it's just two sets of media all the way through. Now you have a former Secretary of State now in a useless position of climate czar, who years ago, according to the foreign minister of Iran, are, are arguably our chief enemy, gave away intelligence as it relates to our chief ally. Israel. And there's no outrage. I'm watching all these other monitors. I don't think anyone's even covering it. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everybody from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by uh, John Starks, talking about the NBA playoffs, the surging New York Knicks, and so much more. Uh, And also the surge in memorabilia when it comes to sports. And then Barney and Company will do a simulcast on the state of the economy and so much more. We have a lot to discuss, including the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has agreed to come on with us in a matter of moments. So let me get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We should have told people early on when we told them to stay at home, we should have told them to get outside. You know, the number one risk factor for being hospitalized is being overweight. And when people stay indoors, guess what? They gained 15 pounds on average. We needed this about a year and two months ago. Dr. Morning McCarry saying what we all thought, bad advice or flat out lies. That's what we eventually find out as it relates to the pandemic. Many of the restrictions still exist today, and it's time to fight back and find out the truth before why we were told to stay home. And now we find out, according to the University of Chicago, staying home was actually bad, useless and damaging enough. Why take a vaccine if nothing's going to change in your life? Number two. It's been reported you've met with him a couple of times at least since uh, leaving office as well. Yes, so I you have. Still, is it a half dozen times, a dozen times? I've probably seen him three or four times. Are you trying to coach him through the Trump administration's rejection of the JCPOA? No, that's not my job. Really? Nothing was your job. You should have stayed out of it. Treason. That's all you could say about the released Iranian... Foreign Minister audio tapes that reveal John Kerry gave up top-secret intel to a terror nation undermining our key ally, Israel. We'll get you the details, his denial, and why I don't buy it. Number one. Many members of the media have a narrative, and they only want to pick instances which show cops at their worst. I just do not accept, nor do I think most Americans accept, that most cops are uh, are bad people. And we're not falling for it. Uh, police under fire, the latest challenge, and how they're taking the blame for all the ills of society. They're putting down the badge, finding something else to do, and who can blame them? Meanwhile, a police officer calls out LeBron James and tells the king to meet him on the street so they can go over what a cop actually goes through on a daily basis. But let's talk about one of our top stories and bring in former Secretary of State, CIA Director, Congressman from Kansas, uh, Mike Pompeo. Welcome back, Mr. Secretary. Brian, it's great to be with you this morning. You have to be the least surprised by this revelation. I don't want to put words in your mouth or thoughts in your head, but I thought about you right away that I would love for you to tell me what your thought pattern is, knowing that John Kerry, according to the foreign minister, gave up the fact that Israel had hit Iran forces or allied forces 200 times inside Syria. Well, Brian, you're right about that. This is something that uh, we've known about for too long in the sense of the meetings, the meetings the Secretary Kerry admitted this morning he had. We, we knew these had been taking place. We know we know that they, there was no purpose for them other than to be acting in a way that was inconsistent with what the Trump administration was trying to put forward. We, we advised everyone who wanted to meet with Zarif that he was useless, that he had no power. He's now admitted as much. If you listen to the tape, he says, I didn't have any power, and we can now see Zarif at least believes that he heard from John Kerry about activities that the Israelis had undertaken that he didn't know about, that he learned about from John Kerry. That is dangerous, it is inappropriate, and it's inconsistent with the responsibilities that he had as someone who was a steward of American information. So let's think about this, Mr. Secretary. You have one of our key allies that provides incredible, valuable intelligence in that region 
Kerry, during his time when you were in Congress, has really undermined Israel, was trying to force peace down his throat. It never got off the ground. And then he starts dealing with with Israel's main uh, adversary, Iran, giving up intelligence about Israel's activities that only Americans would be susceptible to, uh, would have access to. What are you thinking if you're Israel right now? Or do you know this already? If if you're an American ally and you are now dealing with the same set of leaders, right? Wendy Sherman, Jake Sullivan, John Kerry, dealing with the same set of leaders who befriended the Iranians at the expense of our friends in Israel and are now our Abraham Accord partners in the Emirates and Bahrain and throughout the Gulf, you you have to come to understand that that Secretary Kerry has behaved in a way that's inconsistent with his capacity to protect that information. You are much less likely to share that information with the United States, information that could protect Americans as well. This is why it's so dangerous, Brian. This is why heading down that path of having Secretary Kerry talking to Zarif and trying to undermine what the United States was doing these last four years was so troubling and so dangerous and why I spoke about it when I was Secretary of State so frequently. True. So the State Department spokesperson, Ned Price, got this information, was asked to comment. Cut 15. I will start by saying, and you won't be surprised to hear, that we don't comment on purportedly leaked material. Of course, we can't vouch for the authenticity of it, for the accuracy of it. Uh, And so, um, of course, I'm not going to comment directly on um, what's on uh, that tape, on that recording. The broader point uh, is that with any negotiation, uh, we don't have control of uh, the internal decision-making process uh, of our counterparts. And he can't speak to authenticity, says that. And, you know, that's not not criticizing him. I'm not sure he's not going to say, yeah, we're disappointed in our climate czar and his past behavior. But what does that do to the Vienna talks now? I, I don't fault the spokesman. He, he didn't cause yeah. the problem. He's trying to clean up. He's trying to clean up the mess that Secretary Kerry created for him. But to your point, this matters going forward. The people sitting in the room across from the Chinese, the Russians, the Europeans, and us, are the very same people who Zarif has now admitted, the foreign minister has now admitted, didn't have any influence. He has no power. This is what I told you. know, We had American senators, Brian, meeting with Zarif as well, and I would remind them, he has no power. He wears a nice suit. He speaks perfect English. He travels to New York, but he doesn't control anything. And it's why we made clear the people we wanted to speak to were actual decision makers inside Iran and not these folks that will lie to you and create in, create the conditions that really put America and its allies and friends at risk. You have friends overseas, you know, certain certain countries you hit it off with, individuals, countries you see eye to eye with. I can't see you, Mr. Secretary, with your West Point background and your nine for candor to trying to undermine this administration as much as you disagree with them. That is not what you do with the with the power that you have or had. I can't see you doing this. What would you Brent, do I, I, if they asked you to? Brent, I, I want them to. I want this administration to be successful. I want Secretary Blinken to be successful. It matters to me and to my family and to you and yours that we're more secure. I, I, I want to help them, uh, and so we would. I would never act in a way that tried to undermine what this administration was trying to do. What we, what we try to identify with the failures of what's going on in Vienna right now are the risks to us. If you cut a deal, if you give them billions of dollars again, if you Accept at face value what a foreign minister's Zarif will say naively. You put Americans at risk, and we have an obligation to speak about that with whomever we encounter. But to try and undermine what they're doing is just 
unexplainable and right. deeply inconsistent with the way human beings and former elected leaders ought to behave. The one thing about it, killing Soleimani helped us immeasurably. He says that the, the, yeah. the military runs everything. <laughs> they undermined the diplomacy and the foreign minister. He was flying Russians in and out of Syria. He was trying to undermine these negotiations to begin with, right? Brian, now President Biden said that he wouldn't have taken the strike on Soleimani. To this day, he's not changed that. And you see what Zarif said. He said that that attack on Soleimani was bigger if they had destroyed an Iranian city. This fundamentally changed the nature of our deterrence posture in the Middle East. I'm confident it saved American lives. And you still have Democrats who think that Soleimani running around would be a better situation than where we are today. No, what President Trump did there was bold. It was right, and it kept America more secure. So I want you to hear you, you, and you might have heard this already, but I'm going to play for our audience, asking John Kerry when you were Secretary of State, what is he doing with the foreign minister of Iran while you're trying to put maximum pressure to maybe get them to the table, but uh, with the threat of the Abraham Accords, finally get them to give up terror and nuclear weapons. Listen to this. It's been reported you've met with him a couple of times at least since uh, leaving office as well. Yes, so I you have. still That's uh, accurate. Is it a half dozen times, a dozen times? I've probably seen him three or four times. Are you trying to coach him through the Trump administration's rejection of the JCPOA? No, that's not my job, and, and my coaching him would not, you know, that's, that's not how it works. What I, what I have done is tried to elicit from him what Iran might be willing to do in order to change the dynamic of the Middle East for the better. Mr. Secretary, what do you think about that? Well, that's not what Foreign Minister Zarif said they were talking about. So maybe they weren't communicating, although I will tell you Foreign Minister Zarif's English is impeccable. Uh, my, my guess is, is that that's not precisely what Secretary Kerry was talking about when he was with Foreign Minister Zarif. I have no problem if he's meeting with an old friend to talk about old times, fine. Uh, but you can't be talking about things that un- are trying to undermine the Kurd administration's policy. And I can assure you the Iranians believe that they had a back channel and that they were counting the days until there Absolutely. might be a change in the administration. Unbelievable. Uh, so i got to tell you something else that just came to light that you probably knew about. But uh, Commander Rebecca Rabark, uh, spokesperson for the U.S. Navy, uh, Mideast Base 5th Fleet, said close passes – risk ships with gliding at sea. Evidently, we had a couple of destroyers there, and they had some of their ships cutting us off, We making unsafe maneuvers, so we had to make defensive measures over the course of three hours. That had not happened uh, almost at all during your four years. What changed? Well, this, is supposed to, this is supposed to be a friendly relationship now, in Volver, and they're trying to make progress about a nuclear program. Is that a way to show where friends? Is that an outstretched hand? Add to that, I, I don't know if you saw, Brian, the video they had of their surveilling our ships that are traveling in the Persian Gulf, flying directly over with drones over our ships. Looked pretty real to me. Uh, th- this is inconsistent with what President Trump and our team would have permitted. Um, they did it a few times to us early on. President Trump made it very clear that we would change the rules of engagement in a way that said, if you come close to our ships, you're going to not be going anywhere. Uh, when we did that, the kind of activity ceased. And we need to get back there because if you're one of those young men or women serving on one of those ships and those Iranian cutters are getting that close to you, you are at risk. And one day something bad will happen. They will detonate an explosive. They will fire around and we'll have a really bad outcome. Deterrence matters. Strength matters. And when you're weak, you you create exactly the kind of risk that's described in what you just 
just read to me. Is there anything different about the drawdown in Afghanistan that you're witnessing now under the program with Biden than you were going to do under President Trump? I hope they're consistent with what we were doing. We, we had every intention of making sure that we had sufficient commitments to make sure, A, that we could get our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines out of there safely, and second, that we could continue to provide enough resource to make sure that the uh, risk that the Taliban would make enormous gains would be diminished. And most importantly, as President Trump always made clear, we would have the intelligence posture to protect the homeland from a terror attack from there. I hope they're executing this in a way that's consistent with what President Trump had directed me and my team to lead. Mr. Secretary, what do you see your role as now, You from Congress to playing a key role with the Trump administration in two very valuable jobs lasting all four years, which is ext- was extremely rare? And the word is you, you're v- very seriously thinking about running for president. Brian, today I'm doing the things that you're, you're hearing me do here. I want to talk about why America first mattered, why American strength mattered. I'm going to do some writing about the history of the things that we did. Second, I'm going to go out and campaign for candidates to make sure that the uh, the ideas that I care deeply about are uh, sufficiently represented in Congress come January of 2023, that we no longer have to suffer all the things that the Democrats are putting forward and the progressives are putting forward these days. Those are, those are my two missions. As for what happens in 2024, Brian, uh, only time will tell. Would you th- what do you think about these conservative Republicans, like Ben Sass, I can consider a conservative. I consider Mitt Romney a conservative, uh, maybe Adam Kinzinger a conservative, who was so critical of the, of the president's uh, unorthodox styles, let's say, that are now witnessing the most liberal policies in our country. What do you say to those, those guys who work to almost undermine the president, and now we have our country flying to the left, spending money we'll never be able to pay back, Drawing down on defense spending at the same time while showing weakness in the Middle East uh, while uh, our border is a sieve. What do you say to those Republicans? I'd say this. It was always a head scratcher to me why you would attack the central principles that we have all been fighting for for all these years, Brian, right? Smaller government, uh, religious freedom. Uh, strong national security. Uh, Those are the things that President Trump was delivering and why they chose to spend their time attacking those policies when they knew that the end result would be precisely what we've seen for these first hundred days of the Biden administration was just always a head scratcher for me. And now look who we got. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It must not be a good feeling to know you were probably undermined uh, during your years uh, in the uh, as Secretary of State and CIA Director, but that's what was happening with our new climate czar, an unnecessary position by its definition. Mike Pompeo, thank you so much. Brian, thank you for having me on the show, sir. So Absolutely. Long. Look forward to that book. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Put it very simply, no. The report can't say anything different because I didn't do anything wrong. People say a lot of things in politics. Uh, that's why do people say things? Who knows? People are venial, people want attention, people are angry, people are jealous. Who knows why people spread rumors? Who knows why he still has a job? 
We know he's done a terrible job through the pandemic. He got credit for it. We had more deaths than anybody else. He got credit for it. He wrote a book before the second wave. While the second wave was happening, he was selling the book. We found out he used staffers to write the book. They said they did it voluntarily during work time. They're doing investigations on that. They're doing investigations on nursing home deaths, putting them back in. Were they they indeed incentivized to bring patients back there? Why he didn't use the other things that he used. We've been over that a million times. But to have nine accusers in the midst of a Me Too movement, the Harvey Weinstein uh, sobering up of American society about what women go through at the highest echelons of business, to think that to make it in this country, you have to, if you're in your 20s, listen to some of the demeaning behavior that he and, and words and actions that this governor put them through. And to think these accusers could show their bravery coming forward and to be called liars, venial, attention seekers. Also, New York Magazine, New York Times Magazine said that he called uh, this Jewish community that he was supposed to visit. He goes, well, those people in tree houses. And he also used a, deti- a, 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 a slur to, discard, to talk about the trans community. So congratulations. He had every single bar of those people who should be canceled in society. Instead, the Democrats have gone quiet as he's agreed to a tax increase a, uh, in New York City despite getting a payment to pay off all his debts for this state. Illegals got $14,000, was pointed out to me by a caller earlier, and the Attorney General Letitia James's office no comment on the multiple investigations from the sexual harassment allegations to what happening in nursing homes to now I understand there's another investigation about the Mario Cuomo bridge in the Hudson Valley in New York. The U.S. Department of Justice FBI investigating Cuomo's decision to withhold the true COVID-19 death count in nursing homes while the state Senate is investigating a whistleblower's claims of safety cover-ups with the building of a bridge, no longer the Tappan Zee Bridge, but named after his dad. How does he still have a job? And why do I think he's going to run for re-election? From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Two and eight, ten seconds to go. And here's Workman for the three-point shot. Of course, that was 1994. That was the year OJ got out, kind of screwed up that uh, seven-game series. Our Rockets and Knicks, of course, Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing in the middle. Uh, but the guy that's starring there, John Starks, played 13 years in the NBA in one of these incredible stories, uh, came out of nowhere to be signed with the Knicks and, and just stand out uh, eight years with the Knicks overall from New York. Uh, he also established the John Starks Foundation in 1994, and he's part of this whole craze, sports memorabilia craze, as the NBA heads into the backstretch, getting ready for another playoff run. John Starks, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. How you doing, Brian? What is your memory of 94? Does it seem like yesterday or, or two lifetimes ago? <laughs> seems like two lifetimes ago, seems like, uh, you know, but it was fun. It was a fun run that we had uh, back in 94. 
I mean, uh, the whole thing, when, uh, the whole yeah, era, John, you guys were in contention every yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, we had a very, very good team uh, back then. You know, obviously we had Coach Riley. Then we have uh, Hall of Fame uh, big man and Patrick Ewan and Anthony Mason. Uh, we, we had a crew. Uh, you did, and you were competing, and that was the golden time. What were your thoughts on the Michael Jordan documentary uh, last year, almost this time? We had no sports to watch. Everybody watched that. Mm-hmm. You lived it. What did you think of it? I, I thought it was amazing. I thought they did a, a, a great job in, in capturing, you know, uh, the 90s uh, basketball as well as, you know, Chicago Bulls uh, and the great run that they had uh, during that time. Um, you know, as a player, you know, you're playing against them. You really don't know the things uh, behind the scene uh, that was going on. And so for me, I was kind of glued to the television set like everybody else. And, and so I thought it was a great, uh, great doc. I mean, playing against him at the time, I mean, just no doubt he was the greatest player and the most famous athlete. Uh, Ali was the only one who came close. Did you feel the same way playing against him? You couldn't have had that attitude of being in awe and had success you've had against him, could you? Not at all. Uh, you know, you respect him a great deal. Uh, and obviously, you know you're going up against the best night in and night out, and so you had to bring your game. Uh, I think he just, you know, made everybody raise their level of play uh, to another level uh, whenever you played against him and the board. Here is the moment that you can now get, and it's frozen, and it's in my son's room. He has an autographed picture from you. Uh, from the, He bought it from Steiner. But here's mm-hmm. the moment uh, that really defines for many people your career. Cut 40. We're down to 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Starks. Yes! What a move by Starks, who was able to sky to the basket. John Starks with the move of the night to give the Knicks a five-point lead with 47 seconds remaining in the fourth. Starks goes, oh, so big, and look who was at the top, none other than Michael Jordan, and he couldn't do anything about it. So, John, that was you over Jordan. Did, <laughs> what are your thoughts as you're listening to it? Yeah, you know, it, it takes you back. <laughs> you know, the emotions come back uh, inside of you, and uh, – it was just a great play in uh, a crucial moment of the game. And uh, I always tell people if that happened in Chicago, it's just another play because it happened in the garden, made it so much special and who who it was against. And so, yeah, it, it brings you back to that moment. And and by the way, you, 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 you jammed the ball over Michael Jordan. Uh, did you know Jordan was there or you just saw the rim? No, nah, I, I just saw the rim. I saw Horace Grant. I didn't realized Michael was uh, even in the play until I picked up the paper the next day. So how do we get that moment where it's the guy that used to work, like, was it a Safeway? Yes. Uh, off the guy that started that North right Carolina, in. the greatest player of all time, yeah. and people want to relive that. That's how people relate it to you, uh, that people feel that yeah. they, can, they can do anything. If, if John Starks is the example that coaches use for their players in eighth grade that's not mm-hmm. starting in 11th grade when they feel like no one's recruiting them, They'll they'll bring your name up, and that dunk is emblematic of your career. Yeah, definitely. It, it kind of you know put my name uh, on the map, so to speak. Uh, you know, up to that point, you know, I'm uh, just one of the players for the Knicks, uh, playing along, like I say, against uh, with a great player, Patrick Ewing, and uh, but that 
that really like gave me a lot of exposure. And as you know, you know, moments are captured and certain plays are captured. You know, you think about Derek Jeter and, and all the great uh, plays that he made. Those moments are always captured. And that was a moment that was captured for a lifetime. Athleticdirect.com, uh, you know, um, uh, that's a, that's the new Steiner uh, site. So go to athleticdirect.com and you can download that, right? Yeah, you can download it. Uh, also, yeah. you know, it's uh, great for collectors and giving the fans the opportunity to purchase collectibles direct, uh, directly from uh, high-profile players and, you know, coaches. You know, we have, uh, you know, WNBA stars like Brianna Stewart, Deanna, Deanna, I was saying that right, Tarasi, and football greats like Dexter Lawrence. You know, so we have a host of uh, incredible um, uh, players uh, from all sports, you know, baseball, Aaron Boone, Cliff Frazier, Doc Good, which is a great friend of mine, and uh, Jim Lyrics, another great friend, and uh, Willie Randolph. So, you know, you can go there and just, um, you know, pull up uh, whatever sports you want to, you know, get directly uh, in contact with uh, that particular players, and uh, you can get, you know, jerseys, balls, you know, items personally signed by athletes. So it's, it's a great, uh, great site that can get you, you know, personally with the uh, with the uh, 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 pros that you, uh, you know, that you want to get the uh, your collectible signed from. John Storks with me now uh, talking about uh, the, the Raisin Sports memorabilia. So, John, as you look in New York right now and look at your league, do you know ESPN – Ratings are down 20%. TNT is down 40%. Uh, and there, there's a lot of people concerned. ABC is down too. I know it's mm-hmm. tough without fans, only a, you know, two, a couple of thousand yeah. fans, but are you concerned about the league? I'm not concerned. Um, I'm not concerned at all. We've got some great young stars in the league. Uh, it's exciting basketball. Uh, obviously, pandemic uh, and what's going on now. Uh, truly, t- you know, affecting all businesses, not just uh, the NBA, but all businesses across the board. So uh, hopefully we can get through this and and get back on track uh, because, you know, basketball is played by everybody. So I'm not too much concerned about it. Uh, I know once, you know, everything, <clears throat> excuse me, once everything gets worked out with this pandemic, you know, everybody, you know, businesses will get back on track. So, when uh, the one thing that I remember, Michael Jordan, because I used to host a show with Jim Brown, he always mm-hmm. used to talk about civil rights issues, and he was upset at mm-hmm. Michael Jordan for not weighing in at all on anything, whether it was the sweatshops, the making the Nike stuff or not. He just wouldn't get involved. And I want you mm-hmm. to do what Dana White said last night and the UF, the other night, yeah, last night about the UFC and sports and politics the way it is today. One of the things that I've really tried to do through this whole thing is stay out of politics. When people tune in to watch sports. They don't want to hear that crap. They don't want to hear what your opinions are or who you're voting for or what you're doing. They want to get away from everything in their life and they want to focus on, you know, two, three, four hours, however long the sport is. Throughout this pandemic, when you turned on the UFC, you know, we never talked about COVID. We never talked about politics. And obviously, th- there are certain fighters, male and female, who have their own religious beliefs, their own political beliefs and whatever. We don't muzzle anybody either. How do you feel about his philosophy as opposed to the one we're seeing with today's athlete, LeBron James and others, 
uh, Kaepernick taking a knee, Le- LeBron weighing in on police activities. Where does John Stark stand? Well, he's right in the sense that, <clears throat> from the standpoint that uh, fans, you know, definitely want to, uh, you know, kind of take their minds off of what's going on in society. And, um, you know, that's understandable what he said. But he also had to be uh, cognizant of, you know, the athletes that are weighing in on what's going on out here in society and that affects them and their community. You know what I mean? And so uh, athletes do have a voice. Uh, you think about Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and, and all those guys back then standing up for civil rights. And if they could just take the sideline and just turn a blind eye to it, will we be further along in society that we are? And now I'm extremely uh, proud of these young athletes that are standing up and know, understand that they can make a difference uh, in, in in society, not just collect money and just don't say nothing, go out there and run up and down the court or catch a football or hit a baseball. Uh, no, you know, you, you have to be for everybody and you have to be able to stand up uh, for people that do, doesn't have a voice. And these guys are doing a tremendous job of doing that. Go to AthleteDirect.com. John Starks, thanks for the time. Next time we come back, we'll talk about the Knicks and the playoffs for the first time in a long time. John, thanks. All right, thank you. AthleteDirect.com. When we come back, Stuart Varney, Simulcast, FBN. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're about to go on with Stuart Varney on FBN. If you're not watching Fox Nation and seeing what the show looks like, you're about to see what we look like today. If you miss Fox and Friends, because we're going to go on with Stuart, who... I believe is coming back from a commercial. will be going to us shortly. They're talking a little bit about uh, what is happening uh, with the recall in the uh, governor, the governor's race. Uh, Gavin Newsom's terrible governor, and people are just waking up to it in California. We'll see if they'll have him uh, thoroughly thrown out. I was going to talk about something else, and that is uh, what's going on with masks. Why exactly are we getting vaccines? So let's listen to Stewart. Brian Kilmeade, he's going to join us. I think he's just finished with his radio show. He can now hear us. Welcome to the show, Brian. I'm going to roll the Dana White bite one more time. Get politics out of sport. Roll that tape. When people tune in to watch sports, they don't want to hear that crap. They don't want to hear what your opinions are or who you're voting for or what you're doing. They, they want to get away from everything in their life and they want to focus on whether you know two, three, four hours, however long the sport is, throughout this pandemic, when you turned on the UFC, you know, we never talked about COVID. We never talked about politics. Brian, you and I have been talking about this for a, a couple of years, getting politics out of sport. But it's not out of sport. It's still right in the middle of the sport. And people like me, sports fans, we're getting hit. We're not so keen on watching these shows any longer. I don't think it's going to change. couple of things. We're watching the kneeling during the national anthem. We're watching the no-shows because yeah. of something traumatic in Minneapolis. People just not going to the games. Uh, we're watching, you know, Kyrie Irving disappear. Uh, you have uh, players in the Yankees. Uh, uh, Hicks decides not to show up for his game because uh, of the verdict of here or there or shooting 
that took place. You're watching over and over again uh, Black Lives Matter on the court. I think the big difference between the 60s, when you have Jim Brown travel down south, Stu, and you were in England at the time, and he's with Syracuse football, and they say black players in the one hotel, white players in the other, they'd come out and speak about it when they went pro and there were differences, but they weren't putting it into the game. They weren't, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was not bringing it to the game, not showing up when he was with the Bucks or when he was with the Lakers, not showing up. They're bringing it to the game. There were sometimes uh, there were no fans there, so it wasn't affected as directly. Remember last year when baseball was in the bubble, when certain things were happening in society they didn't like. They just didn't show up. Minneapolis canceled the game. So what you're doing is you're telling fans, I'm taking a break, I'm going to the game, and you're telling me society in America is not good enough for you, so maybe I'm going to stay away. Now, look, I understand NBA is a big online presence, but their ESPN ratings are down 40%. Excuse me, TNT's down 40%, ABC's down 40%, and 20% down on ESPN. Don't tell me people aren't answering. Don't tell me that people aren't telling these athletes, I understand you have an opinion and a responsibility. We get it. Do it on a separate from the court. You call a press conference, every member of the media would show up. But just don't put it in our face of the game. We want to see if your team is better than the other team. We want to see if you're better than the other guy. Can we just watch that and then separately tell me what you're doing? Absolutely. With you 100%. But it, it, we, it, we just keep on having this conversation. It doesn't change. But I want to, I want to divert to, to Dr. Fauci. I know you're no big fan of the good doctor, but he's flip-flopping again, this time on wearing masks outdoors. Watch this, Brian, and our audience. Roll tape. Nothing's 100%, but it's almost invariable that it's indoors. So when you are indoors, make sure you have a mask. When you're outdoors, keep the mask on. I think it's pretty common sense now that outdoor risk is really, really quite low, particularly, I mean, if you were a vaccinated person wearing a, wearing a mask outdoors, I mean, obviously the risk is minuscule. Minuscule. Thank you very much indeed. Can't we just go outside without the mask and get on with life? Yes, and that's what's going to happen out of this. They still want to control you. Fauci is winging it half the time. He could tell by the way he winds up. When he doesn't have an answer, he just says this, 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 what we would do if we had an oral report due and we didn't study. That's what it looks like. Then this University of Chicago study shows staying at home a year ago today when they told us to stay at home and stay away. They say that was more dangerous than actually going outside and getting fresh air. So it is more dangerous. If we went in the park vaccinated or not, we're not going to get the virus. Then they told us, remember, to wipe down everything we have, look out for countertops, travel around with this spray and antiseptic. Doesn't travel through countertops. You're not going to get it through anything in the department stores or your food stores. Has anyone apologized for that inconvenience and let alone the cost? And I want to bring up something else. If we're vaccinated... We can't transfer the virus. So, therefore, no mass inside or outside. Joe Biden, you're alone in a cemetery. You're alone doing a Zoom call with world leaders. Take off the mask and the double mask, Anthony Fauci, to speak to the senators, many of which aren't even in person. Don't ask me why I'm not getting vaccinated. At the same time, do that. I'm I'm out of time. I'm going to have a rip-roaring summer. I'm going to get out and enjoy life, just like everybody else in America. I look Brian forward to Kilmeade, the pictures on Facebook. So indeed. <laughs> You'll get it. Sandra Smith, Mike Murphy. 1-866-408-7669. Got uh, a couple of minutes left, but I, but I do want to 
to bring up the fact to, uh, on the pandemic because it's very few so- tub- subjects that you ever bring up that everybody in the country can relate to. But I do notice, and it's concerning, that people are choosing not to get the vaccine. I'm not going to get into your personal decisions, but I, in, if you are hesitant, there's nothing about the medical community that's making you feel better. Not that it's dangerous, but that your lifestyle is going to change. So if you're wondering, they came up with this thing in 11 months. They never really had something like this exactly before. We're still looking at a long-term study to decide if there's long-term effects. We're only looking at short-term studies. And then you find out, I can't necessarily fly in a plane. I can't walk indoors. I have to still wear a mask to go food shopping, uh, even go to a restaurant. I can't sit at a bar. Walk into a restaurant, I'm not going to do it. Or play sports without a mask. All those stuff has to come down. And believe me, we'll get the rest of the country done. Because right now we're at 41% vaccinated. That's not going to cut it to get us to herd, herd immunity. I know those people that got the natural immunity from having it. That'll help, though. Frank. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to be privileged to be joined by John Taffer, host and executive producer of Bar Rescue. Brand new year, an important year as all these restaurants and bars have been just brought to their knees by the COVID-19 virus. And now they're trying to get back up without employees. John Taffer Live. And then we'll take your calls at 1-866-408-7669. If you want to write me, uh, go to my email, briankilmeade.com. It'll show you right how to do it, and I'll be able to get through it. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We should have told people early on when we told them to stay at home, we should have told them to get outside. You know, the number one risk factor for being hospitalized is being overweight. And when people stayed indoors, guess what? They gained 15 pounds on average. We needed this about a year and two months ago. No kidding. That's the new University of Chicago study that shows you got fat, you're more susceptible because you were told to sit around. What do you want to do? Bad advice, flat out lies. I can't figure out what is true, but I know it's inexcusable. Now they tell us we could take off our mask. What could we can we do with the with the vaccine they're still not clear on it enough let's get back to our lives number two it's been reported you've met with him a couple of times at least since uh leaving office as well yes, so are you still, is it a half dozen times a dozen times i've probably seen him three or four times are you trying to coach him through the trump administration's rejection of the jcpoa no that's not my job yes it is uh it's true it's not your job but you did it anyway and treason. That's all you could say about the released uh, Iranian foreign minister audio tapes to reveal John Kerry gave up top secret intel to the terror nation leader. And it's not the first time he's got to go. He's in some ridiculous job anyway. That's totally unnecessary. Another example of weakness. We have our destroyers harassed overseas, a drone buzzing them, and we did nothing. Number one. Many members of the media have a narrative, and they only want to pick instances which show cops at their worst. I just do not accept, nor do I think most Americans accept, that most cops are uh, are bad people. John Kennedy is right. Policing under fire, the latest challenge, and how they are taking the blame 
for all the ills of society. Why the finest won't take it anymore. They're putting down their badge. They're finding the door as a letter to LeBron lays it all out perfectly for the world and the king to see. So let's talk about uh, policing in America because nobody else is. They just say, wow, how bad these cops are, how they had to be retrained. And I do think uh, law enforcement reform enhancement could benefit everybody. Uh, You'll understand what they go through if you go study what they are going through on a daily basis. So I'm not really necessarily against all that. What I am against is not having the police at the table when they're talking about their job, when people don't know how to do their job on the best or worst day. In terms of defunding the police, the reason why no one you know is for that is because if you poll it, nobody wants it. 33% of the country is in favor, 62% oppose. However, the latest Fox uh, Fox poll does go on to say something I think disturbing. Reducing police department funding, not defunding, Democrats 54% are for it, only 11% of Republicans. Now, what I was referring to before, this LAPD officer, his name is Dion Joseph, wrote a letter to LeBron James. And he said this after LeBron James tweeted out, you're next after what happened in Columbus, Ohio, when the officer showed up at the scene and one teenager was about to knife another teenager's and they shot the one with the knife. LeBron put up a deleted tweet, now deleted, that said, you're next to the officer. This is what he wrote. Now, I'll try not to read the whole thing. It's long, but it's well written. So this LAPD officer who's worked a lot of times in rundown areas wrote this about LeBron. Your current stance on policing is way off base. Your tweet that targeted a police officer in Ohio who saved a young woman's life, irresponsible, disturbing. It showed a complete lack of understanding of the challenge of our job in the heat of the moment. You basically put a target on the back of a human being who had to make a split-second decision to save a life. A decision I know he and many others wish they never had to make. I don't know if this will ever reach you, but my hope is that one day I can sit down and talk with you. As a man of faith, I have no hatred towards you, but I do feel I can help you understand the reality of the profession of policing. This is all to LeBron James from another black officer. You are tired of black folks dying? So am I. You hate racism and police brutality? So do I. But you cannot paint 800,000 men and women of all races, faiths, and sexual orientations— All mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, preachers, coaches, community members, and just humans with such a broad, destructive brush. I think you yourself actually sat down and had a real honest, open conversation with the cop. There is a strong chance you may discover we are not the monsters you have come to believe we are who deserve the hate and disdain you have. And even if you come away feeling that way, I could respect it because at least you gave the other side your ear instead of hearing one narrative The offer is on the table, LeBron. He hopes it gets to him. It has gone viral. It will get to him. The question is, will he acknowledge it? He's gone kind of quiet since his ill-timed tweet. I would like to see him respond. It would be great to see, like Shaq does, has great respect on all sides, but I'm not confident he'll do it. Meanwhile, there's another catastrophe going on with a police shooting, police-involved shooting of a black man. We don't know the details yet. But it hasn't stopped the white Democrat governor of North Carolina from taking the side of uh, the victim. Cut five. We must face head on the stark reality of systemic racism and how it hurts people and leaves them behind. Who gets to see a doctor? Who gets hired for a job? Who gets charged with a crime? Who gets prison time? Who gets killed? Over the past year and just in the past week, we've seen the harm suffered by too many people of color. By the way, 
I'm pretty sure this was his state of the North Carolina address. You know who was standing behind him? The lieutenant governor, who happens to be black, was on with Laura Ingram last night. And he said, look, what happened may or may not have been a tragedy. We're not sure yet. But why are you painting such a broad brush? It's total role reversal. Instead of a you know, white lieutenant governor being upset with a black, uh, a black governor, it's the reverse. He's saying, hey, Democrat, it's not about Democrat or Republican, black or white. We don't know the details yet. And I'm pretty sure you're not talking in a way in which we can understand. Here's Mark Robinson last night, North Carolina lieutenant governor, cut six. What I would say to those activists is pump your brakes, slow down. Let uh, the justice system take its course. Let's take a look at this and find out what's happened. What they should be focused on is the seven-year-old who was murdered in Hickory, right here in uh, North Carolina. What they should be focused on is the seven-year-old who was murdered in Chicago last week. We are seeing murders take place of the most innocent across this nation at an alarming pace. And these activists and our politicians at our highest level are turning an absolute blind eye. And that's how he feels, and I don't blame him, because he knows what we all know. Not enough to make an opinion. Benjamin Krupp is out there saying he was murdered, he was executed, his family. And what this guy's name is, I don't know much detail about him, but I'll tell you what I do know. Attorneys for the family of Andrew Brown Jr. blasted North Carolina officials. This happened yesterday for only allowing to see a small portion of the body cam footage. Following the criticism, authorities released a video statement saying the incident lasted 30 seconds. Elizabeth City uh, Public Schools will operate on a full remote schedule for all students and staff due to the continuously evolving state of civil unrest. So it's not safe for kids to go to school. Uh, The father said of the victim, it's like we're we're against all odds against the world. It's just they like he's executed. They just messed up how this all happened. So you say you only saw a small portion of it only last 30 seconds. Mark Robinson sat up there behind the governor and said this was his observation, cut seven. We want to eliminate police brutality. But the way that you do that is by partnering with the police to remove those bad actors from their ranks. You don't do it by degenerating a whole bunch of officers and degenerating policing altogether. If we continue to do this, I can guarantee you we're going to reach a day when we are going to sorely miss the friendly police officer, his badge, his nightstick, and his gun, and we're going to wish for those that we had those days back because, as we see right now, crime is skyrocketing. Criminals are watching these policemen. They know that their hands are tied behind their back, and because of that, they're committing these egregious crimes that we see against children, against innocent victims on the streets every day. Unbelievable. So he's a Republican, and I think he's talking a lot of logic. So a little about Brown. Brown was described as a drug dealer in the area, had a criminal rap sheet of 180 pages long, dating back to May 1998. That's according to the search warrant and other records obtained by Fox. Initial search warrant signed off by the North Carolina Superior Court senior resident Judge Tillett on April 20th states that the agent, R.D. Johns, Johnson, and the Dare County Narcotics Task Force was in communication with a confidential source who said they had been purchasing narcotics from Brown for over one year. The informant claimed they had purchased different quantities of cocaine, crack, cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine from Brown on numerous occasions. Obviously, this is not a, a squeaky clean businessman looking to make it in this world. This guy, 180-page rap sheet. Not the most outstanding citizen. Not saying he deserved to die, but I'm also saying that this guy is obviously 
a problem for the community. Would that be uh, kind enough to say? In the big picture, I'm not sure, like George Floyd, when you look at his background, even though he should never have died and the verdict was correct, I'm not sure these are people we should be looking up to. We should be looking and analyzing what went wrong in their lives that got him such a mess on the other side of the law, consistently, almost seemingly on a daily basis. Cut 11, Senator John Kennedy. In our post-journalism world, many members of the media have a narrative, and they only want to cherry-pick and pick instances which show cops at their worst. Um, I've said it before. If you hate cops just because they're cops, then uh, feel free to call a criminal, call a meth head the next time you get in trouble. I I mean, I I just— do not accept, nor do I think most Americans accept, that most cops are are bad people, are racist. They don't get up every day going to work hoping they can hurt somebody. Most of them get up every day and go to work and hope hope they can themselves come back home alive. And help somebody. So there you go. That is Senator John Kennedy making a lot of sense. What do you think? 1-866-408-7669. I'll talk about that. Also, John Kerry being accused by the foreign minister of Iran for giving up intelligence about Israel uh, that could have cost lives if it is, in fact, true. But if it's not true, it's the same guy that they're negotiating with in Vienna. That means if he's lying then, you should assume he's lying now. Back in a moment. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Why was President Biden the only world leader at the Climate Summit Zoom who was wearing a mask? Uh, because he is sending a message to the world that he is putting in place precautions uh, and continuing to do that as leader of the United States. And I don't know what setups they all had in their countries that may warrant some more reporting or not, uh, but obviously he had a pool there for portions. There were additional staff there, additional personnel, and uh, that's uh, the sort of model that we uh, try to keep ourselves to here. Unbelievable. He was sitting there wearing a mask with other vaccinated staffers. Are you kidding? A double mask at times? That Does he understand he's trying to set an example? It's a bad example. You don't need one there. Walking around with a mask does not show that you're a great example for America. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I want you to hear the mask thing has got to stop. The outdoor is going to be announced, I think, today. Uh, don't have, don't wear an outdoor mask, especially if you're vaccinated. But we knew this a long time ago. Britt Hume weighed in last night. Cut 25. I guess they're about to relax this guidance on masks outdoors, but that seems wildly overdue. I mean, a lot of things that we thought we knew about this infection have changed over the course of the past year, but a few things have not. And one of them is the notion that, that this disease does not spread well in the open air that is too quickly dispersed in outdoor settings. We've known that for a year or more. So why they're now getting around to saying you don't need a mask outdoors uh, seems to me to be something that they could have said a long time ago. And an awful lot of human activities, sports activities and, and outdoor play by children who are also not particularly vulnerable to this disease, this all could have been done a long time ago. It is. And Brit Hume is somebody out there, you know, a senior 
uh, who's gotten vaccinated is sitting there like, let me have my life back. I'm at the same risk as you. Set a good example. Uh, take the mask off tonight, with say Tuesday, tomorrow night at the joint session of Congress. Instead, Marco Rubio told me today it's very hard to get tickets. Do you believe that? The guy's a sitting senator. You want to talk about idiocy and illogical, an illogical approach to the pandemic a year later and why we give no credence to government officials? Listen to the new HHS secretary, Xavier Becerra. We all knew he was out of his depth, but listen to him try to twist around logic and science and tell us why we should be wearing a mask? Cut Cut 21. If you're vaccinated, do you have to wear a mask outside or you don't have to wear a mask outside? Well, we weren't born with masks, but we want to be safe and we want to protect our loved ones. And so that's why we wear masks, right? We, we put on our seatbelt. We don't expect that we're going to crash our car, but we want to be safe. That's what we're just trying to do is make sure everyone is safe. We want to get back to a normal lifestyle. We want to get our economy going, people back at work, restaurants open. You got to do that the right way. And masks help. Vaccinations, important. Masks help. And so even though I'm I'm vaccinated, I still wear a mask. Exactly. So why do you why do we have to do that if we're vaccinated? That's why I'm so confused, because I keep hearing you don't have to wear it, but still you could still pass it or you could still pass it along, even though you've been vaccinated. That's why I'm I'm confused. Yeah, the vaccine's done a really good job of making sure you'll not only be safe and healthy, but that you won't infect others. But still, you never know. And what you're trying to do is encourage others. I, I can't I cannot explain to you how incensed I am by that ridiculous statement. If you really want to be safe, don't go out anywhere. The University of Chicago says that's dangerous for you to get fat and lazy. So uh, you get vaccinated. You can't transfer the virus, but wear a mask because you like other people. Dumb. They think we're idiots. And notice he didn't mention school, kids back in school. Why? Because he's from California, where kids can't go back to school because of the, because of the crazy teachers union. Al, listen on KDWN in Las Vegas. Hey, Al. Yeah, hi, hi Brian. Um, uh, you know, I wanted to say all of these people that have been getting shot and killed have one thing in common. They're resisting arrest. If you look up on the Internet, two of the ways you can then invoke violence from a police officer is if you threaten their life and if you start resisting arrest as running or whatever you're doing, like right. the girl that was going to stab the other girl, she got shot. So you're taking your life in your hands if you're resisting arrest. You're provoking violence and unfortunately, sometimes they're going to overreach, but it's going to be a gray area. You're going to have to go to court. You may not live to um, a, a, a See that you, that you were violated, and that's just don't resist arrest. That you know, no, you don't want that to would certainly killed. help. That would be respect towards police. Ken, North Carolina, Ken. Don't, don't resist arrest. My thing is to hear to hear uh, men speak like he just spoke. Yep. You haven't. He haven't lived a life that you have been stopped for no reason. You can tell by what he said. He haven't been stopped. Well, we, we, Ken, would you, Ken, would if you got stopped for no reason, would you get out of your car and run? What would you do? I've been stopped over thirty times in a year's time, just because I had drove a new car. I know, so but, but that—that's one thing. But what does that have to do with resisting arrest? No, I, I'm, I wouldn't get out and run because I know I wasn't doing nothing wrong. Right. But the principle: if you keep poking me in my side. Guess what? I'm going to get tired of you poking me in my side. I hear you, Ken. If that's happening, that would get under my skin, too. John Taffer's next. The 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I never thought, you know, that I'd have uh, to compete with the government. We need to move on. <laughs> we, we have jobs available. We need to just, you know, um, stop what we have with the over-incentivizing. We need to get people into jobs. Otherwise, what's going to happen is there's going to be small businesses, perhaps like myself, that's just not going to be able to make it. And what am I going to do? I'm going to contribute to unemployment. Uh, we're down about 25% as far as the pre-pandemic employees that we had. We'll hire someone and pretty much just say, do you have any friends that want a job at the time? Like, they're hired too. Like, can you start today? The server makes $28 an hour and the bars in, in, in the high 40s. And we still can't find somebody to come fill these spots. So that's um, something that's very, very frustrating for us. Two bar restaurant owners who join me this morning on Fox and Friends, uh, speaking up for a lot of people who cannot get workers back to work because of the extension of the unemployment benefits and the supplement. They're getting paid more not to work, not so much they're getting unemployment, but more than they get when they go to work. So they are not. 42% of all small businesses are understaffed. That One of those restaurant owners said, I cannot stay open seven days a week. I have to do rotating um, I have to rotate how many days I can stay open because my staff is 35% understaffed. John Taffer joins us now. Everything I told you, he knows, he lives. That's what his show's about. That's what his industry's about. That's where his expertise in. He's host and executive producer of Bar Rescue, New York Times bestselling author, founder of Taff- Taffer's Mixologist, and host of the John Taffer podcast. John, when I, I wanted to play that for you because we talked about this last night. This is what you're finding in Las Vegas, right? And around the country? Oh, it's unbelievable, Brian. You drive down the Strip in Las Vegas and those huge, great signs that are normally uh, promoting restaurants and entertainers say help wanted. Uh, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Vegas, you know, we have thousands and thousands of employees that are needed to staff our hotels properly. Why are they and not there? About, Why are they not there? John? Well, because of enhanced unemployment benefits. And, and think about this for a moment. The current administration said that by July 4th, they expected things to be fine for the summer. Remember that? Yep. Why did they then extend unemployment benefits to September? They're contradicting their own logics. So if we're being told that the summer will all be able to come back, we need our employees, Brian. Think about this. 14 months these restaurants have suffered. New York City three weeks ago went up 60% in one week when restrictions were lifted. Imagine this, Brian. Your customers are coming back. You had the opportunity to finally make a dollar or two, and now you can't get your employees to serve those customers. And there's a chance that you're not going to get those employees till the end of the summer. It's a nightmare. So you've had Bar Rescues, who's been a, a stunningly successful series. It's now in season eight. The premiere episode is Sunday, May 2nd at 10 o'clock on the Paramount Network. But this is a different Bar Rescue, isn't it? Oh, it's a very different year. First of all, we, we shot the season in Las Vegas, Brian. And my logic was Las Vegas had a 35% unemployment ratio and got impacted by the pandemic more than any other city because we have a centric economy. We're based so much on hospitality here. So we chose to do all of our rescues here in Las Vegas, not, not operations on the Strip in billion-dollar casinos. These are all local operations. And these operations serve the hospitality employees that serve all of the tourists that come to Vegas. Brian, the stories were heartbreaking. For example, one family lost their house three days before we got there. 
I put them all in hotels while we were there. When I arrived, four boys under 10 years old were sleeping on the floor above the restaurant. Wow. That's the depth that these shutdowns and this pandemic has affected people. In the past, Bar Rescue was about saving businesses. This season, it's about saving families, saving lives, saving people's existences. It's unbelievable the depth of suffering, Brian. I was surprised by it, Wow! uh, even after being so close to it all. And you were coming on with us when the pandemic hit almost a year ago, Tay Priyana, regularly on TV and radio, because you were saying, you know, this is going to be different. I mean, this is brand, you can't blame bad management. This is a virus that's forcing, that hit arguably the hospitality industry, hotels and restaurants, casinos, worse than, let alone sports, worse than anything else. And when you went back, you must have been thinking all along, how do I approach this season? Can we hear a little bit of what you sent us of what we can expect this year? Sure. Yeah. Let's See, you guys are thinking that things are great because you leave with money in your pocket. But your actions behind the bar are causing his failure. This past year, overpours, taking care of friends, maybe keeping a tip or two and applying it towards a sale, that $165,000 cost him his home. His home. Is that fair? Wow. And is that ri- basically, what, what could you tell us about that, uh, that restaurant? Well, that was a perfect example. He was open to 25% capacity. He had a chance of making money. And and candidly, the staff, because they're struggling to survive, Brian, are doing things that that, uh, are lacking integrity on their end, to say it nicely. And everybody's trying to survive. Meanwhile, they're going home with money, the bartenders, and the owner isn't. And he lost his house over it. And it's a very difficult situation because so many people are desperate for income right now uh, 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 in this environment. But, Brian, what really is the struggle for this is now we see the curfew in New York still impacting with 11 o'clock closures, which makes no sense. I think we're up to 12 now. Isn't it interesting? We're up to 12. But still, so I can have my restaurant full at 11, but I can't have it full at 12. It makes no sense whatsoever. So the illogic and the inconsistency is what's hurt us so much. We don't know what's going to happen next month. And for the first time, we see light at the end of the tunnel, Brian. I mean, New York City, as I mentioned, went up 60% in one week three weeks ago. We're seeing huge increases. The Las Vegas Strip, Brian, you'll be impressed. It's pretty busy. Uh, uh, The protocols are safe. People feel safe when they come to the facilities. The restaurants are safe. The casinos are safe. Uh, When you go to Las Vegas and, and, and drive down the Strip, it's all California license plates. Wow. So everybody is leaving California. Yep. They're coming here to Nevada. But I have one other interesting thing to mention to you that, that I think you'll find interesting. I have a crew of 57 uh, for Bar Rescue to travel with me, and most of them are from Southern California. My crew is based in L.A. So they all came here to Nevada. We have serious uh, uh, COVID protocols in production. We have three COVID officers on set and all sorts of COVID protocols. And none of them could get vaccinated while they were in California. But they've been here with me for eight weeks shooting in Vegas. All of them got vaccinated here in Nevada. So these are California residents that qualified to be vaccinated in Nevada, but didn't qualify to be vaccinated in California. Just so my crew is pretty run. much all vaccinated because Nevada was able to do it. Yeah, because they're terribly run. That's why they're recalling the governor uh, from for about nine months now. It's been evident to the entire world how overmatched he is and how bureaucratic that state is. Why? That's why people are leaving that uh, that state that offers so much. Here's another cut from another bar.
uh, on Bar Rescue this season, which begins May 2nd. Cut 42. So I want you to understand, he lost his house. He's borrowing money to survive, thinking it's the pandemic. But it's not. It's you guys. Had you done this right and be responsible in the alcohol, the money transactions, he wouldn't be having this problem right now. And when I talk to him, and he talks about so proudly how he kept you guys working and how you mean so much to him and how he fought for you and you're his best friend. And you f***ed him. Wow. And what was there? I mean, it is heavy. And was it because of the cameras picked this up? Was it because you had observers there? Uh, Well, I bring my cameras in a couple of days earlier, so we watch ahead of time. But I also bring in something called Partender, where I bring this in and we do a complete inventory. And then we let them run for three or four days on their own, and then we take inventory again. So we know exactly what was taken and where, and we compare it against the cash register. So I do a bit of an audit, if you will, before I get there, Brian. So I know the numbers better than they do, and I catch them. Wow. And and is this the, the same uh, is that the same is that the same episode? No, that's a different episode wow. actually. Uh, you know what's interesting about this season, Brian, is everybody's so quick to say pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. But you know, I have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry that did pretty well this year. They were very nimble. They moved to family style meals, they moved to delivery really quickly. They did a lot of things to try to establish themselves. They did things like gold belly and, and shipping and, and all sorts of things. And then you look at some of these operations that went down in the pandemic, but you know, they didn't save money when they could have. They didn't remodel when they could have. So I don't allow everyone to blame the pandemic 100% on this. Uh, Sure, it's 80% responsible. But in some cases, these businesses could have adapted better or had better resources or run themselves better beforehand. So I don't allow them to put all the blame on the pandemic, Brian. There are certain things they're still responsible for. And I have to call them out on that. I'm there to help them. So it's interesting, too, because, you know, we're watching plexiglass at bars, watching plexiglass between uh, some type of divider between booths. Do you like yep. some of this stuff to stay? Do you expect some of this stuff to stick around? Is some of this stuff better uh, in the long run for restaurants, the cleanliness uh, they were forced to go through, the type of antiseptic behavior they were forced to adapt to? You know, it's interesting. I was doing a bit of a, a research and a, and a little study for myself on what would remain post-pandemic. And certainly face masks and kitchen are something that's going to remain. Really? Because it makes sense. They're cheap enough to, I believe so. Because in kitchen and food production, we still have flus and viruses and colds and things like that to consider. It's a simple procedure. I think it's going to remain uh, uh, face masks in kitchens, back-of-the-house kitchens. Also, certainly curbside delivery is something, whether it's a hardware store or supermarket, or a restaurant, people love the convenience of curbside delivery. So we're seeing now businesses being modified. New retail stores are being built with curbside delivery pickup areas. And all of the physical changes are being made to make curbside delivery a permanent part of our economy across all business types. But that's the consumer saying that I like this convenience. I want it to continue. Other things that we're going to see continuing certainly are are hand-washing procedures, people we're certainly going to be more sensitive about that. I think we're going to see hand sanitizing dispensers remain in restaurants for a very, very long time, certainly around restrooms and things like that. So I think a lot of these types of conveniences and, you know, 
reasonable safety uh, uh, practices are going to remain post-pandemic. Yeah, do you... I'm supportive of some of them. You know, yeah. I'm a nutcase on cleanliness. So I'm supportive of, of a great many of them remaining. Uh, but I, what it will definitely help when you can start bringing your tables back, right, and maximizing your space. Absolutely. Once we get to 100% capacity, uh, uh, Brian, which will be this summer, I see a boomtown. I see a roaring 20s. Think about this for a second. If we lost about 38% of our restaurants nationally, some in some areas more, other areas less, and we hit boomtown this summer and people really come out, well, we're going to have an active marketplace with 38% less capacity. So wouldn't it stand to reason that those restaurants that survive could have one heck of a summer if we can get employees? What bothers me most is these terrible policies for business are going to get reinforced because we're just allowed to go leave the sideline. And what's happened is these unfriendly taxes that are hurting the people that work the hardest and de-incentivizing people to work at all are going to be, look, look at the economy, look at these numbers, just because we're now back on the tracks. Well, this is the chance for government to get out of the way, isn't it? Really, Brian? Isn't Hope it so. the chance to let the marketplace come back? Certainly people are ready to do so. We have good uh, uh, confidence numbers, right? Uh, uh, the sales numbers are going up. Every retailer and restaurant is reporting increased sales. So this is the time for government to step out of the way. The Restaurant Recovery Act was good, Brian. It gave us dollars to pay debt, pay back old mortgages, do the things we needed to do. Now's the time for government to get out of the way. Let us take mm-hmm. our masks off outside. Let us fill our restaurants and let America be responsible for itself like we should be. Last cut, just a little bit more of this season. By the way, you're going to pass the 200th episode sometime. will air in June, which is what an accomplishment as you get set to premiere season eight of Bar Rescue. Cut 43. This pandemic, you have busted your ass to keep them working, haven't you? I have. <clears throat> and you realize there are times that they're <laughs> And I just want to be straight with you. Yeah. Sometimes as an owner, you treat them like family, but they're not there is something that should greatly concern you about the way your bartending staff is functioning back there. And I'm being straight with you. The numbers are what they are. If they love you like you think and you've stepped up for them, now's the time for them to step up for you. Do they? <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. If there's anything I've learned this year during the pandemic, if I can be sort of philosophical for a second, we've all learned this year how much we need each other, Brian. We need to support businesses in our community. It's up to us to do so. We really need to protect each other from a health standpoint. You know, we've really learned how much we need each other. Employees need employers more than ever. Employers need employees more than ever. We need customers more than ever. Everybody should have a greater level of appreciation for the fact that we need each other now. And I'm finding that when you present that formula or that premise to employees and owners, Mm -hmm. they're buying in, Brian. They get it. They really need their employees now. Their employees have suffered. This is the time to step up and be good to them and provide them with security and make them feel good again and vice versa. So this is an interesting time for all of us now to understand how much we need each other to pull this back together again. And show some integrity and get back to work and help people out. I know the $300 is tempting, but we really need you in the workforce and people aren't going to forget that you came back because soon those jobs will not be available. John Taffer, Season 8 of Bar Rescue begins Sunday, May 2nd at 10 o'clock on the Paramount Network. Watch the entire year. It's one of the few real reality shows you'll see. Nothing fake about this. John, thanks so much. Great to talk to you, Brian. Be well. You got it. one 408 7669 Back with your phone calls and find out if there's indeed more to know. 
Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Now, did everybody... Watch, sorry, let me rephrase that. Did anybody watch the Academy Awards <laughs> last night? Uh, nobody. I guess about 10 million people. It makes me wonder if I need to know more. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. All right, so nobody watched the uh, Oscars. It was intentionally bad. There was no music. They could drone on as long as they want with their acceptance speech. The movies we didn't watch, they were all depressing. Unbelievably bad. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Oscars, but I want to talk about this. Next. LeVar Burton says he'd like to become the full-time Jeopardy host. And guess what? Cancel culture? Pretty cool. Cut 45. In terms of cancel culture, I, 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 I think it's misnamed. That's a misnomer. I think we have a consequence culture. Um, and that consequences are finally encompassing everybody in the society. Whereas um, they haven't been uh, ever in this country. So um, I, th- I think that there, there are good signs that are happening in the culture right now. And I think it has everything to do with a new awareness on people who were simply unaware of the tr- real nature of life in this country for people who have been othered since this nation began. I don't know what that means. It's sort of, you know, I don't just, know. Just, just screw follow. everybody. You make one mistake, you can't. We're now all more, you know, aware. Next, Simon & Schuster employees called for Mike Pence's book to be canceled. They're not stopping. They submitted they don't want any Trump administration officials getting book deals. 216 internal signatures. What would you do if you're CEO of Simon & Schuster? I'd say look for another job. Well, i just say ignore your employees. Don't cave to them. Dude, you better not cave to them. They're going to decide who gets a book deal? Please. Next, Dana White probably won't play the cut, but he said on Hannity last night, that sports should be free of politics for the enjoyment of the fans and athletes alike. White says that most people are regular fans of professional sports aren't fans because of the politics. True. Dana White deserves credit. The first sport back and the first sport outside the Texas Rangers to say, pack out an indoor place and it's okay. It happened in Jacksonville, Florida, and the event was electric. Was it a super spreader event? We'll find out. (laughs) The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.